0: Hello everybody. Guess what? We are doing an impromptu episode today. (laughs) This is our friend Lucy. You're listening to the VBAC link and we can't wait to hear her story. We're going to talk about big babies. We hear all the time, big babies. I can't have vaginal birth because I had big babies or my pelvis is too small, but she is here to share your story with her story with you today and let you know big babies can come out of vaginas. That is this big statement today. Big babies can come out of vaginas. I'm going to hurry and read a review, and then we will jump into her story. This is from BJMG104 on Apple Podcasts, and it says, This podcast is emp- empowering and positive. As a home birth transfer to cesarean, this podcast has been so instrumental in helping me shed the shame and sense of failure I have been feeling since my son's birth. Armed with the knowledge gained in this podcast, I now feel more confident than ever in my next pregnancy. Feedback is possible for me. Thank you for this podcast. Well, thank you, BJMG104, um, for sharing your review.
1: You are tuned into the V-back Link podcast with Megan Heaton, who is a longtime doula and VBAC mom herself, here to help you get inspired for birth after having had a C-section. Along with this podcast, the VBAC link offers blogs, resources, and a comprehensive VBAC course for both parents preparing for birth and doulas wanting to take their VBAC education to the next level. Be sure to follow Megan and her team on all social media platforms for even more. Although these podcast episodes are VBAC specific, it is encouraged for all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a C-section from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here is your host, Megan.
0: Okay, Lucy, we're jumping right in. I'm going to turn the time over so you can have all the time to share your story about big babies. Tell us about it. Tell us your
2: experience. Oh, my goodness. You know, I see all the time big babies, big babies. And from 18 weeks pregnant, the second pregnancy now, I was told all the time they would measure my belly and they would say, you know, he's measuring two weeks ahead. He's measuring two weeks ahead. And you know, just part of me was like, Well, hopefully he's like big, like one of his uncle Nick's, because I have an uncle Nick, my brother-in-law, and an uncle Nick, my brother. And I was like, maybe he'll just be a big dude. It's okay. You know, my mom <laughs> has a ten pound baby. So I was like, I think we'll be okay. But it obviously I was really, really hopeful for my be back. And I left my previous practice after my first birth because my first birth was something that was just really, really traumatic to me and it didn't go at all the way that I had planned. And it really came down to me just even talking to myself and my husband and us looking at ourselves and saying, you know, being educated is just such a big thing. And so Mm -hmm. I remember from the day that I found out I got pregnant, I would go on walks every day with my daughter and I would listen to the Back link. And I was like, these women know what the deal is. You know, they Mm -hmm. are educated and they understand what's going on and they're empowering themselves. And I was like, you know, I've heard so much about doulas and I didn't really know if a doula would be for me. And I talked to a couple of different companies and I found Aussie Doula here in Charlotte. And I spoke to Helen and she said, you have to meet Raquel. She's my VBAC queen. And I was just totally just swept away after meeting Raquel. And my husband and I joke because you know Raquel has that spiritual vibe to it where she really centered me, but then she also had a voice for me. So from the beginning, you know Raquel helped me make those decisions and stand up for myself from those appointments where maybe you don't want a cervical check right in the beginning because anything can happen, and that's kind mm-hmm. of what i'm going to share, and I don't know if you if I need to touch it all on my first experience with my firstborn. Um, but having yeah, a big, feel disease, free. Totally feel there. free so with my first, I was pregnant, I had a really healthy pregnancy, not one issue whatsoever. I mean, people, I was the girl that people didn't really want to talk to. And you asked me how my pregnancy was. I was like, it's rainbows and butterflies. That's how it is. It's great. <laughs> and people were like, oh, not even morning sickness. And I was like, literally nothing. So I was told I had a macrosoma baby and I really trusted my doctor. I'd been with that practice for five years. And he's like, listen, if you don't do an induction, you're basically asking for a C-section. I didn't know who to ask. I wasn't on these different groups online. And so I just trusted. So at 39 weeks and two days, I went in on a Thursday and I got induced with Cervidil and Cytotec for two days. And I had, I was completely zero dilated. Nothing was happening. Saturday, they hit me with Pitocin. within about 30 minutes, my water like exploded. And so I still wasn't dilated. So then I got an epidural at like six centimeters and then I just plateaued. But during that time, I got a fever, an amniotic fluid infection. Everything that could go wrong was going wrong. And I remember from the first night on Thursday, the doctor walked in and he said, you know, we don't have to do this. He goes, you could just have a C-section and you don't have to go through this pain. And at the time, I kind of laughed it off. But in hindsight, I was like, he was so not supportive. And that should have been my red flag from Mm -hmm. that moment yeah but but i you know i just really trusted the process he was someone at the practice i didn't know and i had never met turned out he was the guy who did my c-section on sunday and so that sunday when i had my c-section i started to feel a lot of things and a lot of pressure down there and i don't really do great medically when it comes to you know everything grosses me out so towards the end of my c-section i was kind of hollering you know josephine came out my daughter And she wasn't really crying or doing anything. And, you know, that's another sign to me that she wasn't ready. You know, she didn't have her full time to just be ready and do what she needed to do and my body to do for her to, you know, have the birth that also she deserved. So I was closed up in a way that really wasn't grand to me. I had internal staples and outside I had only glue. And I say this because I've empowered so many of my friends already to just know how are you closed up in that case that maybe you do have a C-section. It's something that maybe many of us don't talk about or think about because we're like, well, a C-section won't happen to me. Well, after a three-day filled induction, you could only imagine how swollen I was. So by the time we got home on Tuesday, I coughed my incision open, my top layer, and ended up back in the ER. Ugh. And so oh,
0: man. it was
2: awful. So when I get back, when I got So we got home Tuesday, Thursday, that happened. So in the hospital, they cite me for COVID. I'm COVID positive. So now I'm like, well, the world's ending, surely. So then I have an infection in my uterus. I need antibiotics. They want to admit me for three days. And I'm just like, I can't. Like, if you want to put a woman into postpartum depression, who's surviving it and getting through it, take her away from her baby for three days and put her in the hospital. I was like, "I I can't physically do that. Not mentally. I was like, I just yeah. have this sweet little girl that I want to be next to. I want to, you know, have my moments with her and my husband. So I was like, there's just no way. So thankfully enough, I was given some antibiotics, but I did have to drive all the way to uptown, which is 30 minutes from where I live in Fort Mill, South Carolina, um, and have my incision packed every two days um, by the doctors because it needed to close up. It was just such a nightmare. And, you know, for five good weeks, I looked at my husband and I was like, well, maybe we're only child kind of people. And, you know, we come from big Greek, Greek and Italian background families. And I always thought I'd wanted four kids. And I was like, I just don't think I could ever go through that again. So the time passed and like all women, you know, we forget our trauma. So then the time came where we were like, let's, let's add to the mix. You know, I'm more educated. I've been reading a lot on this, you know, things are possible. Just because I had a C-section doesn't mean that I am now, You know, married to that, and you know, I have family that still lives in Greece. And even my aunt was like, "Well, now that you have that, that's all you can ever have." And I was like, "No, that's (laughs) not true." I was like, "And I'm going to show the world that that's not true." So when I got pregnant, I looked for a practice that was supportive, and I went on the VBAC link, and I just on Facebook, and I read about you know different doctors, and I went to this one practice in Charlotte. And around my 18 week appointment, I was told that at 40 weeks to the day that I'd have a C-section. And I asked why. And he said, that's what we do with all women. And I said, well, I'm not all women. My name's Lucy and I have a unique, you know, history of medical history and I'm me in my own pregnancy. And he said, that's just not the risk that the practice takes. And I said, well, I've heard that Pitocin safe, you know, a folly bulb if necessary. There's other mechanisms and different things that we could do. And he said, that's just not something that we're willing to do. And I said, well, going back to our first visit and our other conversations, you're not VBAC supportive then. You're barely VBAC tolerant. So he said to me, well, I'll give you my suggestion. And then worst case scenario, you just don't come to the hospital. And I said, well, I'm not here for that worst case scenario. I'm here to fully entrust in my doctors and my provider. I said, so that's just not the option that I'm looking for. And he responded with, well, if we're going to part ways, better sooner than later. So that was my hint. I came home and looked at my husband and I said, the one appointment you didn't come to. I was like, everything hit the fan. I was like, no way. So. I reached out to my old doctor, Dr. Graham, who had left the OB part of, you know, the practice and stuff. And she had went on her own to a different firm and I just, or a different practice. And I said, who do you recommend? And she said to me, you know, there's a great doctor at Mintview OBGYN. His name is Dr. Gibbons. So me and my husband made an appointment and we went out there and we spoke with him. And from the first second that I sat there, he said, macrosoma, baby, why is this on your chart? She was eight pounds, four ounces. He said, This is irrelevant. He said, There's no medical reason that you had a C section. And I said to him, Thank you. That's exactly what I'm saying. I said, I'm just here for a fair chance. And, you know, he talked to me and he said, You know, if it does end up in a C section, I don't want you to think that you failed. And I said to him, By no means, if that's what the ending happens and I have a healthy baby and a healthy mom, that's not how I'm going to feel. I said, However, I do want the full experience, the full opportunity. To be able to have a trial of labor you know and achieve my VBAC so you know from there on that every time we met we talked about you know you know he would talk about the size but he never told me that the size meant that I needed to get that baby out so as things kind of progressed in my pregnancy I would hear a lot that he was large and around 40 weeks I had an ultrasound well I had one at 36 and they said he was big and then I had one right at 40 weeks to the day which was like two Thursdays ago And the ultrasound tech, she's the sweetest. I love seeing her at this one location. And she measured him and he measured 97 percentile. Then she did one whole measure all over again, everything. And she goes, I'm getting the same exact number. She's like, I just feel so confident that he's 97 percent. I said, "Okay, great. You know, thank you. She said he looks healthy. Amniotic fluid's healthy. I was like, great. So then on Friday, I went into the doctor. And so I guess earlier that week on Monday, I decided that I would have a membrane sweep but I was only one centimeter dilated, but I was 50% effaced. And I didn't really know if, you know, doing that was for me. And I hadn't had one check my entire pregnancy. And every time I said no, it was a, it was a question when I went to the, went to the doctor, it was, would you like to be checked? And I said, no, thank you. And then that, that was the end of the conversation, which was perfect to me. And I will stop and just say one day I was having some pains. I want to say I was like early 30 weeks pregnant. And I went to, an urgent care OB here in Charlotte. And it just so happened my doula was in the area. So she went with me. And when I got there, I was having some pains, That's why I went and the nurse practitioner opened the door and she said, go ahead and undress from the weights down. We're doing a cervical check, you're in labor. And as she closed the door, my doula went, is that what you like? And the lady <laughs> opened the door and just looked at me and I said, no, that's not what I'd like. I said, quite frankly, you don't even know the color of my hair. How would you? How would you even know that I'm in labor? I said what i'd like is for you to come in and have a conversation with me and if we feel the need to do something you know we'll be on the same page she goes well i'm gonna have to mark your chart she goes that you declined it and i said to her what oh, you gotta do you know at this point i said but i would appreciate if you could come in and maybe you could feel my belly and we could just talk through it and she just had the worst attitude the whole time and then when the ultrasound tech came in she did She did a scan and she was so sweet and was showing me the baby. And she's like, look, everything looks great here and blah, blah, blah. And I was just so thankful that she kind of brought me back down. But, you know, I'm not one to leave a review, but I made sure I was like, I need the world to know that if you're going to come here, you're going to have to have a voice. Because, and then I realized there was a theme at that, um, at that urgent care that, that you really didn't have a voice when you went in. So I was so thankful that Raquel was with me, my doula, to help me have that first experience of just. Standing up for what I wanted in my in my birth plan and in my pregnancy. So that's why I thought it was such a big deal when I would go to a mid OBGYN that it was just a question of, would you like this? So around 39 weeks is when I had my first sweep, 39 in a few days. Then I had that ultrasound, and then I saw Dr. Gibbons on Friday prior to going into labor. And at that point, I was one and a half centimeters and he did a sweep. And I had actually lost a lot of my mucus plug during that sleep. And he just said to me, you know, he said, well, the goal is to go into labor naturally. And that's what we're going to keep saying. And that was really it. He didn't tell me my baby was big or I needed to get him out or anything. And then that night I started having contractions all night, like every eight hour, every eight minutes for hours. And then the next day they just, they were gone. And I was like, oh, no, is that not real? Like, what's going to happen now? And, you know, of course, as later you get in your pregnancy, you're like, I really want to go into labor. Is this going to mm-hmm. happen for me? So um, on Sunday, I was like 40 days, 40 weeks and one, two, three days. And so at like around six o'clock, contraction started happening again, like every 10 minutes. And so I hung out on my on my um, yoga ball and walked around. We went on a walk around the neighborhood. And then around like 9 PM, I was like, okay, it's time to lay down, relax. I laid in bed and they kept getting closer and closer and closer, but they were still like more than five minutes apart. And then around 1225 AM, I felt a pop. And I was like, Mm. that's gotta be my water. And so I stood up and sure enough, it was my water. And so I called Raquel and she said, I'm going to come by the house first because the goal was not to get to the hospital too early as well. And although I had trust in this, you know, trust in the process and the doctors, I was still really nervous that someone would try to like force an epidural on me or even just the catheter in case I needed a C-section. So we were trying to really get to the hospital at the right time. So I started to get ready though. And Raquel was on her way to my house and my husband was packing the car and I just, something didn't feel right. I felt a little bit of extra pain and I'm very high pain tolerant. And I called Raquel and I said, I I just want to go to the hospital my contractions at that point were five minutes apart. and She said, absolutely. She had just pulled up to the house. So we left, went to the hospital and we got there. Um, the nurse came in and triage and she checked me and then she didn't say anything. And I said, well, good news. You know, how dilated am I? And she looked at me in kind of like a sad little voice. And she said, have you ever been checked? I said, yeah, I was checked on Friday. I'm one and a half. She said, you're still one and a half. And I was like, Oh no, she goes, and that was your water. And your, your baby has meconium and the monitors were reading really high heart rate for him. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden my world just crashed down. And I was like, that that's it. This is it. I'm, I'm going to have a C-section. And Raquel looked at me and it makes me all sad. And I just want to cry unless we talk about it. But Raquel looked at me and she said, you know, it's, it's a marathon. and It takes time. And she goes, you have to remember to, you know, release and allow your body to do what it needs to do and surrender. She goes, the beginning is going to be slow. It's going to happen so fast. Once it gets going, she goes, you're not going to have expected it. And I believed, I believed in that moment that, you know, Raquel was, you know, telling me exactly what I needed to hear and know for my body. So, you know, I, we hung out in triage for maybe an hour. And by the time we got to a room, I was three and a half. And I was like, okay, progress. And about 30 minutes later, I was six centimeters. And I was like, okay. So we got to the hospital at what, 145 at night? And so by 4.45 a.m., I was eight and a half. I was eight centimeters dilated. And Raquel had been constantly moving me. She would not let me stay in one position. And I was just like, is this really happening? Everything's happening so fast. These contractions are so hardcore. But one thing that she recommended for me was nitrous, because we were trying to stay away from the epidural, at least in the beginning. And at that point, I was begging for it. And she said, if you make it to five, she goes, we'll get an epidural. She goes, but just try the nitrous for me. And I tried the mm-hmm. nitrous. And while it didn't remove the pain, it kind of like takes the edge off. And I don't know if you've heard of other women using it, but I will say it was definitely a great tool to have in your belt, like in, in the delivery yeah. room. I used it as well. Yeah, I, was, I, I had no clue. Yeah, Yeah. I told me I would have had no idea. So by that point, when I got to eight centimeters, um, Raquel was like, listen, she goes, we got this. She goes, I'm going to have you get up and you're going to sit on the yoga ball. And we're just going to keep moving. And I was still asking for the epidural. And she said, Can you try and ask me for the epidural when you're not in the middle of a contraction so I can believe you? (laughs) And I was like, that's not fair. So the nurse comes over (laughs) and she hangs a bag of uh, liquids. And she says to me, when this bag is finished, I'll get you an epidural. I said, y'all are so setting me up right now. I was like, there's no way I gonna time to get an epidural. I was like, everybody's just totally like looking at each other and not looking at me like she ain't not getting an epidural. So by the time I got up and sat on the yoga ball, I was like, oh my God, I have to push. So they get me right back on the bed and they check me. And I'm 10 centimeters dilated, but he's not perfectly face down. He's like not all the way sunny side up, but he's not all the way down either. So <laughs> I'm really like Raquel manhandled me. She totally like flipped me on my side. It was like spinning babies to the max in the middle of contractions that are happening every couple of seconds. And I just you know relaxed into what she was doing. It was like the flying cowgirl, and he just flipped right back to where he needed to be, perfect position. And I pushed for an hour. Um, So at 5 a.m. I started pushing by 6.06. He was here. And I just can't say enough for a hospital that I went to and didn't have a great experience in my first. I had the most phenomenal just redemption birth that I could have dreamed of. The nurses, you know, even the NICU team that was in there just in case. The doctor from the practice, I had never met Dr. Rogers at the end of my bed for the entire hour I pushed, stretching me, helping me. I mean, to the point where I only have a midline of vaginal tear, where I didn't tear any other way with a 10 pound, two ounce baby. And oh. it's just like so unreal to me that, you know, you're told all the time, you know, big babies can't get them out. I've been reading these posts online for days since I had my little one on the 18th of the month. And I feel the need every single time a woman posts in distress that I just need to respond and be like, you have this. Mm.
0: You you're
2: 18th this, of this month? I just had him. Like, like t- not even 10 days ago? Not at all. No, oh, just my yeah, so fresh. And I feel like that's why I'm still in all my feels about it. But I did. I looked at Raquel and I don't know if I'm allowed to say bad words here, but I looked at her and I said, I got my F and B back. And we yeah. high fived. I was <laughs> like, yeah. We high fived. I was like, this happened. I was like, I oh, need yeah. the world to know. Yes. And here you are. You're sharing
0: it with the world you're sharing it. And it is it is possible. We've seen big babies come out of vaginas. We have seen it. We really, really have.
2: I think that we just need the opportunity to allow our bodies to do what they need to do. I mean, he was born at what 40 weeks and four days. Yeah. Healthy, healthy, happy boy.
0: Yes. Well, you know what, in the show notes, we're going to include we have a couple blogs about getting big babies out. So five tips to avoid a C-section delivering a large baby. We're going to post that in the show notes. So if you want to read more about big babies and how possible it actually is, check out the show notes. If you don't believe this story alone, because you're going to 10 pounds, like a 10 pound baby, that's a good sized baby. Right. But it's possible. And how like, you're not a big person. I'm five,
2: five. Yeah, so, it's like yeah. five five.
0: It's not like you're like six feet, like super, super tall. Because a lot of times, you know, taller people. When I say big, I mean tall, like yeah. you know, torso and stuff like that. But I mean five five. It's still pretty small. And so, yeah, he's it is, three
2: long too. So he's um, a long, tall boy.
0: He's way <laughs> long, yeah. He's <laughs> <Sometimes laughs> like his uncle. <laughs> yeah. Um, Oh my goodness. Well, congratulations. I cannot believe it was like seriously less than 10 days ago, but we're so happy that you shared your story with us. And I know that you're going to inspire so many out there. And you know, also too, there's a lot of times where providers will say, Oh, you've got the big baby in there. And then the baby's not that big. Like seriously, we've had clients that were told that their babies were 12 pounds and they had to have a C-section and then they had a C-section and their baby was seven pounds.
2: That's why so, I feel like I'm here though. on this a Z-back link. Cause I was told that with my first, you know, yep, and had exactly had to come, you know, and, I yeah, and
0: it was my story. Right. And your baby was eight pounds. Like it's just, yeah, it's so hard. And you, you got to follow your intuition and good for you for sticking with it and, you know, fighting through everybody, even when you, there was some tension, right? Like you're fighting through. So congratulations. And thank you so much.
2: Thank you. Thanks, Megan. It really, this, this feedback link just has empowered me through this whole process. Oh, that makes my heart so happy. <sighs> Mine too. My husband too. He was so on board with everything. I can't ask for a more supportive partner.
0: Mm, that you know what, we're going to drop that one too, talking about supportive provider or not provider partner is how to get your partner on board. Um, because that truly makes a big difference when you have that support, especially if there's not a ton of support coming from the provider or they're not as gung ho. If you can have that support from your partner, oh my gosh, makes a world of difference. Absolutely.
2: Thank you so much. Thanks for everything you do and all of our voices that are heard. Absolutely. Thank you.
1: Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Tell us about your experience at the VBAClink.com slash share. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julian and Megan's bios, head over to the vbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAClink.